name is Jesus Christ, for he became a sacrifice to save us from the wrath of God by preaching in the synagogue, by dying on the cross for us to save us. Welcome to this edition of Coffee House Theology, where we discuss God, theology, and all things pertaining to life over cups of coffee. I am your host, Jose Ruiz, and I'm joined by Josiah Ruiz, your co host. In this episode, we will be talking about uh, the book uh, Slain Leviathan. We have to both hold it up. There we go. Matching. <laughs> Cheers. Uh, this is a great book. I highly recommend that you grab it, grab a copy, read it with us. Uh, we kind of touched on uh, the introduction last episode. Uh, this episode, we will be talking about um, chapter one. Chapter one. And uh, grab a cup of your favorite brew or beverage and enjoy the episode. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection. So, how you doing, Josiah? I'm doing good. Um, uh, you know, just working. I have nothing too special. The Mormons haven't contacted me in a little while. I mean, they text me, but they got COVID, I guess. So we're going to have to wait a little while till we can talk again and hopefully lead them to Christ. But obviously we water but and plant the seed, but it's God who has to give the growth. Yeah. God God brings the increase. Um, uh, How have you been? I, I've been good. I've been good. Uh, school started and uh, we are busy at uh, work. There's not that much students, but there's more than there had been through COVID. Um, so that's good. That's good. Um, you still memorizing uh, scripture? Yes, I am. I, uh, I have a rough memory of Jude. I, I, I've memorized the, the four shortest books in the New Testament. Second John, Third John, Philemon, and Jude. Okay, last time you said uh, Second John. Yes. Uh, why don't you do third John? Let me follow along. Oh boy, I should have practiced this before <laughs> we went on. But I think I got it. Um, okay, hold on. I gotta find it. Um, it's right before Jude. Yeah, I know. Okay, third John. Okay, here we go. Um, the elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you, and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Um, don't don't tell me. I gotta I gotta get this. You're on verse uh, five. Yeah. Uh, in the truth, uh, beloved, it is a faithful thing you do. In all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testify to your love before the church, you will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. Um, boy, we're going to have to do some editing. I have written... I have written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. 
And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and st also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. I had much to write to you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. The friend, peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends each by name. That's great. Uh, other than the uh, little thing that little I helped you on, verse nine. Yeah. Uh, that's good. That's good. I uh, I'm still working on Second John. <laughs> um. So. Uh, I wanted to ask you, uh, you're not familiar with Joe Rogan, right? Uh, I've obviously heard his name, and you've mentioned him to me before, and I've seen some of his stuff, but not probably not what you're going to tell me. What what happened? Okay, so uh, uh, Joe Rogan has a podcast, okay, mm -hmm. like ours, uh, probably the same size audience. Um, <laughs> in our dreams. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in our dreams. We'll get there. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, um, like, subscribe, share, yeah, share, you, share. You guys are the ones that are going to help us get there. So. To be like Joe Rogan, right? <laughs> We're not like him because he's an atheist, but uh, he, he, he listens to people and he brings them on. And so uh, uh, apparently uh, Neil Young, who isn't young, he's in the 70s, he's a rock rocker or something I, I don't i don't even know any neil young songs okay so you know how i am with lyrics right so i probably am worse with like who sang a song so neil young said uh to spotify uh gave them like an ultimatum that you know uh you either it's joe rogan or me my music and why? What happened? What? Because Joe Rogan uh, believes in free speech. Uh, the, oh. These these companies that uh, are, you know, big tech like Instagram, uh, Twitter, Facebook, all of these dudes, they they think they're God and they're tyrannical. They're 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 they are against free speech. Right, Leviathan in the making. Yes, and so uh, what what they do is like, oh wow, you know, it goes against our policies and this and that, and so they silence these doctors uh, that are not uh, with the narrative. They're not in favor of you know the uh, the jabs. Uh, so. And you have to talk in code, especially if you're on YouTube's, because YouTube's will pull your uh, video. So anyway, uh, they uh, they silence these guys, and he has them on his his show on Spotify, right? And so he canceled himself, basically. Wow. <laughs> so they pulled Neil Young's music. And then other people are doing that. Um, some older female singer or something. 
I don't know what they are, rockers or I, I don't know what kind of music it is. So um, I, I used to tell people when I was in L.A. and I would just listen to talk radio, uh, they'd say, oh, have you heard the song? If it wasn't on talk radio, I don't know the song. <laughs> so I don't, I don't listen to the radio. So, uh, you know, I listen to podcasts, um, you know, uh, on YouTube. I get to watch little clips they, they put because Joe Rogan talks to these guys for like three, four hours. He had Jordan Peterson on mm -hmm. when he talked about the Bible as the fundamental uh, text for all of, you know, society and what we have in common, uh, common ground, uh, uh, foundational text. I mean, it was pretty powerful. I mean, he is, uh, like Doug Wilson said, he's close to the kingdom, you know. Um, and he actually retweeted, Jordan Peterson retweeted uh, Doug Wilson's video. Uh, Wait, just to clarify, Jordan Peterson is not a Christian? He, I don't think he's a Christian. I think he's close to the kingdom. I think, uh, you know, there's a video of him weeping when he's talking about Christ. Um, he does believe that the Bible is the foundational text for all of society, what we have in common. Um, and he says it's the foundational text. It's a, it's a powerful video. I'll play it for you afterwards. Um, but, uh, uh, so Jordan Peterson comes on and he's talking for four hours. They talk about everything, you know, the, the vid, they talk about the jabs. They talk about everything. So Joe Rogan gives them a platform to, uh, talk about, uh, just anything, you know, they have a conversation. They're talking, it's long form. It, it's like an interview. Uh, Joe Rogan asks pretty good questions. Uh, I think Joe Rogan is dumb when it comes to Christianity, to be honest. Um, his arguments are, are so... Uh, Maybe you could go on the show and then <laughs> our views will not only yeah, increase, yeah. <laughs> but you'll give him a little lesson on theology. Well, uh, actually, Jeff Durbin is trying to get on uh, Joe oh, really? Rogan podcast. Yeah, um, uh, and, and other people uh, want to be on Joe Rogan, and and so some people have come out in support, like The Rock, who's uh, I wouldn't say is a conservative. Uh, he only had a he only had Kamala and and Biden. He didn't have Trump, uh, and, and I mean The Rock. So the, the rock, rock Johnson, uh, yeah. So the Rock kind of came to his defense and said, "Hey, you know, I love what you're saying, how you're saying it, and I would love to come on and open up some tequila with you or something like that to that effect." Um, but the um, so Joe Rogan has these people on that people don't like, and. The narrative, the, the popular message. And what I mean by narrative is what the media says. Okay. The media paints a story. Uh, the media drives the story. The media is, is, is you know, it, it's, it's funny because like lately they've been turning on Biden 
and they say the same things. I know you're not really political or you don't watch, uh, you're not on Twitter, you're not on any of those social media platforms. Mm -hmm. So therefore, my son is very apolitical. Uh, of course, you know, uh, the Bible is a political book as we're going to talk about in Slaying Leviathan. But um, so he's not very aware of all these things that are go on. But, uh, you know, they they have been the media has been turning on Biden and now they're like saying the same things. And that's what uh, they call talking points. Okay, it's like you're given a script and everyone says the same thing. You know, when they were saying uh, the events of January 6th, the worst thing since Pearl Harbor and 9-11, you know, one girl died. She was shot by somebody inside the Capitol. She was a, she was a, a service she was in one of our branches of service uh i don't know if she was in the air force or uh, i know she wasn't a marine um but you know the media just draw even now the january 6th it's the worst insurrection it's like they have an agenda they have a narrative a story that mm -hmm. they're weaving and all of them say the same story. So now it's like they're like on a drum roll with Biden and they're saying the same story and now they're coming against him. And it's like concerted. You can tell. Uh, and they say the same thing. There's these videos. I don't know if you've ever seen them. Uh, but they'll play like... It's a threat to our democracy. It's yeah, a threat I to our democracy. And it's like everybody, those are talking points. People are just saying the same thing like drones. Okay. Um, and so Joe Rogan, he's, he's not a conservative by any stretch. He's a marijuana smoking, you know, atheist. Um, so, uh, but he's seeing, he's a comedian, so he's seeing that free speech is threatened. He's seeing that you cannot say anything because if you say anything that goes contrary to the narrative, the story that's accepted, right, then you are canceled. And they were trying to cancel him. And that's the whole cancel culture. They want to cancel him and they want to shut him down. So they're going after Spotify, you know. Mm -hmm. But Spotify invested $100 million in Joe Rogan. So, um, and he came out and said, you know, I'm going to try to do better. You know, he, he... But he wants to hear something different. I'm sure he doesn't want to hear the same thing. He's like in an echo chamber. You know, if you watch CNN or if you watch MSNBC and you hear Rachel Maddow and you have all of these networks that all say the same thing. 
Okay, and that's why they hate Fox News because Fox News, according to them, is conservative and and the Republican and it's the right wing news media. But just think about it: if everybody else is saying uh, Fox News is saying contrary to what all these other narrative, what does that make them? That makes them. Uh, if if Fox News is right wing propaganda, then then CNN and all these fake news organizations are left wing propagandists mm-hmm. because they were the ones propping up uh, the resident in chief as uh, you know um, a mellow uh, old man that he you know he's going to be nice and he's not going to tweet mean things and. Uh, but the guy's incompetent. The guy's not there. You know, he, I don't even think he knows what flavor ice cream he likes. Uh, so, you know, that, that's, that's to bring you up to speed. That's what's happening. And so, uh, because the guardians, uh, they call them the legacy media. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't like what these independent journalists are doing or like project Veritas or they don't like anything that goes against their story because they are the ones like Cuomo, the guy who now is off CNN, but he said, we, we can only have these documents. It's illegal for you to have these documents about Hillary or whatever. And, and we got to tell you, we got to explain it to you because you're too stupid. You know, um, it sounds like the theocracy of, of <laughs> yes, yes. And, so, and what, so what happens is that these people have now become elitist and there's a liberal, um, she's a liberal journalist. She's a liberal, uh, she wrote a book and it's actually, she basically said that at one point, Journalism used to be a blue collar job. Okay. You didn't make money, but now these people run in the same circles as the powerful elite, which is what I was telling you earlier off camera when magic Johnson is in with, and he's been getting hammered and Newsom, uh, King Newsom, you know, Newsom gruesome from California uh, you know, we're critical masks, mask your child, triple mask them, you know, and, and he's seen clearly without a mask, he's taking pictures and he said, Oh, I just took it off, but there's video footage. He didn't have his mask. Neither did Garcetti, who's the mayor of Los Angeles. And they have all these strict regulations. They're dictators. These guys are elite dictators and that's what this whole book slaying leviathan is all about it's how the church historically viewed and formulated its political thought and the modern church has acquiesced has ceded all kinds of ground it it hasn't tugged the tyrants it hasn't done the tug of war it hasn't done the whack-a-mole that all government becomes a leviathan it becomes this monster 
And so this book is so good. I highly recommend you get it. Um, but God warned, God warns in his word in First uh, Samuel, I think it's chapter 8, chapter eight uh, verse 10. So they wanted a king, right? And so uh, in verse 10, so Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking for a king from him. And he said, these will be the ways of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them to his chariots and to his horsemen and to run before his chariots. And he will appoint for himself commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties and some to plow his ground and to reap his harvest and to make his implements of war and the equipment of his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive orchards and give them to his servants. He will take the tenth of your grain and of your vineyards and give it to his officers and to his servants. He will take, notice how the king takes, takes, takes. He will take your male servants and female servants and the best of your young men and your donkeys and put them to his work. He will take the tenth of your flocks and shall and you shall be his slaves in the day in that day you will cry out because of your king whom you have chosen for yourselves but the lord will not answer you in that day god was their king and they wanted a earthly king to be like the rest of the nations that yes were yes like the nations like the pagans and this is precisely why in America, friends, we didn't set up a king. George Washington did not want to be a king. And they were like discussing what is his role. And they became, they, they, they came to the conclusion of uh, the role of president. Okay. A president is not a king. Our constitution, our highest documents, okay, our governor, our mayor, our county officials, they serve, they're public servants. They are to serve the people. See, it's different. It's different when Romans 13 is written. It's different than what we have. We are a government of and by and for the people. We are the consent of the governed. We are not in tyrannical, uh, we don't have emperors, mm -hmm. right? Right. So in this book, when it says that the most political statement that people could make was Jesus is Lord. Um, it was a challenge to uh, Caesar yes, as Lord. Yes, yes. It was a challenge to Caesar as Lord. 
Um, I, I like what it says uh, here in chapter one. <clears throat> Excuse me. It says, from its earliest days, Christianity has had a complex relationship with the state. Jesus was clear that his kingdom is not of this world, and therefore that his work was not about political power. He was. He also taught that we are to give to Caesar, i.e. the government, the things that are Caesar's, which means that Caesar really does have legitimate claims on us and gives passages. I am not. I don't really agree with that. I, I, I think, you know, Jesus says, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, but the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Um, so, you know, I, I, I don't believe that we are anarchists. I just don't believe that Caesar owns everything. Uh, or, or, or owns anything. God owns everything. We don't have a Caesar. To make a comparison, in the early days, government was very limited. We have, as he goes on to say in the book, we have a government that reaches into every sphere of our lives. Yeah, that was the part I liked towards the end of chapter one where it says that when the government goes outside of its sphere of control, it's being tyrannical. So we have to respect those spheres of control. And he lists them. He says there is government, but there's also family. There's religion. Well, a other things I the, the founders, the founders and the Bible talk about self-control. So the first sphere of governance was self-governance. Think about that. The fruit of the Spirit is self-control against which there is no law. If you control yourself, right? If you have control over your emotions, over your attitude, then someone that doesn't have self-control and loses control of his emotions, kills somebody, now he's violated God's law, right? He's murdered. He's, he, he's violated civil law, criminal law, right? So the first order of, of governing the, this foundational view of, of the country's founding was that a lot of it was going to be self-control, right? But given human tendencies, there needs to be checks. And that's, what, that's why the framers and founders of the Constitution, which to me is the highest law of the land here. I live in a country where people, politicians, supposed public servants make an oath to defend the constitution right they are not above the constitution we don't have an emperor and that's what he goes on to say an emperor ruled every sphere of society right um uh he says uh at the same time, however, the claim is not all 
encompassing. We are to give to God, not to Caesar, the things that belong to God. The government may not take on authority that properly belongs to God or by extension to the church. The church government is a sphere. The family is a sphere, right? So when the government or when any institution, like if I go into another family sphere, that's beyond mine. I, I govern my family, mm-hmm. right? I'm the head of my house. I'm the head of my wife. I'm to keep my kids in submission, right? That's what uh, the requisites for uh, an elder are, right? So, again, it's self-governance, it's family governance, and he gives a structure. He gives a head to these spheres, right? But... The problem is when these fears take on what they're not supposed to. Like in the early days, the early church didn't join the military because a lot of times it was the Roman legions that were killing you, sending you to the slaughter, so they would never join them. Now we have our church is founded on <laughs> yes go to pillar church which is to reach out to military yes right but because everybody uh should be given the gospel but the early church didn't didn't do that they didn't participate in a lot of these things so they didn't say when so when they said Jesus is lord they were saying by virtue that Caesar is not lord that's what they were saying. They were saying Caesar is not Lord. And it was a very political statement. Um, it says, uh, as touched on in the introduction, one of the earliest Christian confessions was Jesus is Lord. Most people today do not understand how significant and radical that statement was in the context of the Roman Empire. The de facto imperial confession was Caesar is Lord. That is, Caesar is sovereign in the world and has authority over just about every aspect of life. What did Jesus say in Matthew 28? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Exactly. Exactly. So, so when, when Pilate, remember, is telling him, do you not realize I have authority to set you free? And what did Jesus say to him? You would have no authority if it were not given to you by my father. There you go. So who is Lord? Jesus is Lord. Not Newsom, not a mayor, not your, uh, County Board of Supervisors. These are public servants. They are elected officials. They need to submit to the law of the land. They don't do edicts. We don't have emperors where we burn incense to them. Right? And if you notice, Magic Johnson and all these guys are hypocrites. They're tyrants. They are 
the elite, you peasants, wear a mask. You peasants, you need to do what we say. There's a crisis, right? But they're not, they're so, the emperor has no clothes. It, well, it, it's obvious that, that the rich are immune to. <laughs> That's right. Those <laughs> that have power are immune to <laughs> yes. COVID. Yes. And, and then uh, Magic Johnson had to say that he was hanging with millionaires. That means that basic, or billionaires. He was hanging with billionaires. If you have to say that, let's. I'm going to ask all my friends, how much do you make? <laughs> oh, you have COVID. <laughs> you make more than this much money. <laughs> or you don't have COVID, right? <laughs> the poorest one will have COVID. So, uh, it, it was, it was, uh, it was against the Roman thought that, you know, when you said Jesus is Lord, it's implying that Caesar is not. Therefore, had an unmistakable political overtones that could not help but sound treasonous to Roman ears. Right? So, by the church saying that, they were basically being treasonous. They were uh, coming against the state. Sovereign, right? Um, it says, For Romans, burning incense to a statue of the emperor had little more significance than saying the Pledge of Allegiance. But to Christians, it was idolatry, giving to Caesar the things that are God's. So although they did their best to live quiet and peaceable lives, following Paul's exhortation, they adamantly refused to participate in worship of pagan gods or of the emperor. Obedience, defying tyrants is obedience to God. And that's what the apostles did. And that's what the early church did. And through much persecution, the church grew. So... Uh, who's the one who did that uh, that saying about the blood of the... Oh, right here. Uh, the mighty Roman Empire itself, Tertullian's dictum, the blood of the martyrs is the seat of the church is true. As Romans watched Christians go to gruesome, horrible deaths, willingly and even, even singing hymns, they developed a grudging admiration for their courage and commitment, and inevitably began to ask themselves why anyone would go through that when all they had to do was burn a pinch of incense to the emperor. Christian faithfulness stood in sharp contrast to the faith of most Romans, who recognized that they did not have anything they would be willing to die for that way die that way for and so people were increasingly attracted to the church by the faithfulness of the martyrs so they were not giving in to even compromising 
the the government has no business telling the church that it can't sing, that it needs to wear this, it needs to do that. You are, if you do that, you are like the Pharisees adding to God's law. You cannot bind the conscience of someone that way, especially the church. The church early on understood the binding of a conscience. And Luther, in the Reformation, we will get to it eventually, but, you know, Luther worked out a lot of that thought when he was uh, being awakened by the gospel that you can't bind your conscience. You can't go against your conscience. So... Anything jump out at you or? Um, well, I have a question and I'm going to uh, give a little bit of background to this question so you can know what our position is. Uh, we were just talking about this before we uh, started recording this episode. We are uh, theonomists. We believe that God's law is supreme. Man's law is not supreme because man's law is ultimately just subjective opinions that people come up with so for example someone could say murder is wrong but then someone else could say murder is right and without god in the picture you don't have any law that makes sense you only have your opinion with god in the picture because god obviously exists and we believe that we're a christian radio show uh god's law is the law so that that's why i'm saying we're theonomists but here's my question um trying to remember it Do you agree with me that, I shouldn't say do you agree with me, um, I'm sorry, I'm trying yeah, to figure out the question. Formulate your thought. Now, uh, okay, before, think, try to think of your question, okay, but yeah, I'm yeah. going to tell you this, everybody is a theonomist, everybody has a view of God's law, everybody has, well, I mean that we, we don't agree with the, the, the law that we have now in this country, like supporting abortion. Right, right, right. Or well, you know, but theonomy has a is a pejorative term. It's a it's 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 a it's looked upon as a bad word. But everybody has a view of God's law. What do you mean by that? And what I mean by theonomy is God's general equity principles. Uh, you read in Exodus 22 and on, what is just, right? So you apply God's general equity principles to all of life, right? So God's law is more just than man's law. So when somebody rapes a little five month old and kills them by that rape and he gets five months that is unjust i am not willing to say oh yeah well that's the law and no mm -hmm. god's law says that man should die 
That's what God's law says. God's law is just. Man's law is unjust. And that's what we have today. So when somebody makes an accusation against someone, like the Supreme Court Justice Kavanaugh, right? God's law says that if these people that testify are lying, God's law says that the punishment that someone would be, the accused would get, the accuser should get. See, that's justice. And there would be less false accusations if that was the case. Mm -hmm. uh, the the uh, African-American that they chased, uh, I think one of them was a cop or something, a former cop or something like that. And they were chasing him. It was in Georgia. Now, Georgia law says that you could like defend your property and stuff but you know the bible is clear in god's law it says that if a man breaks into your house at night and you kill him his blood is on his own head mm -hmm. why because at night you should you're normally asleep right you don't know what his intentions are uh, you don't see what he has. And he knows better to not break but, into somebody's yeah, house. Well, but in the day, it says, if you kill him, then his blood is on your head. Why? Because in the day, you're like alert. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right? And at night, it's surprised. You're, you're probably asleep. So, God's law is just, right? God's law says you can defend yourself. But God's law doesn't say you chase somebody down and then shoot him, right? That's what these guys did. And they rightfully were convicted, right? But now, you know, if you kill somebody, according to God's law, you should be killed, right? But what injustice is perpetuated because now they go to prison. Now we, the taxpayer, are robbed by our taxes, right? Because if you don't pay your taxes, you'll go to jail or you, you will be fined like Wesley Snipes, right? So... That's at the threat of a gun. That's extortion. That's theft. That's where that whole phrase taxation is theft comes from. Because, uh, you know, when I read about the king, he takes and takes and takes, right? And he makes you a slave. Now, making someone a slave, according to God's law, is you deserve death. And I'll take God's law any day over man's law. And that's what I mean by theonomy. Mm -hmm. Everybody has a view of God's law. So they believe in God's law, uh, maybe the Ten Commandments, maybe, uh, you know, uh, 
you know, the Jews believe in God's law by wearing tassels and not shaving. Their st- so everybody has a view of God's law. They believe in God's law to some extent. So everybody, by definition, theos is God. Nomos or onomy is law. So it's God's law. Everybody has a view of God's law. It's just how is it implemented? And people think, well, you know, we can't have a the. So they confuse theonomy or God's law with theocracy. Theocracy. That was something we talked about before. I thought theocracy was. The system Theonomy. we should have in place, but it's it's not. It no, theocracy is a religious body running, and I believe God's law is supreme, and everybody should obey God's law. Right? Mm-hmm. Murder is wrong because God says it's wrong, not because society says it's wrong because at one time killing a Jew was right. right. Okay. So that is not God's law. Right. So, and the the problem is where do you draw the line? Where do you say, Oh, this is acceptable, but this isn't acceptable. If you have God's law, you have a fixed standard. We stick to this. Yes. The fixed standard. Yes. And right now I do not buy Wow, we just gotta live with it, and does no, that's injustice, and we need to say that's not justice. We need to bring justice. We need to right, walk rightly, uh, and pursue justice with our God, as uh, Hosea uh, six eight, I think it is, says. So. Again, the founders of this country had God in their documents, right? Uh, nature's God. Uh, so in, in the founding documents, you read that this was established. The Constitution, they said, is only for a moral people. If you are immoral... And you're a relativist and you are a straight out, you know, God hater. You are not going to submit to God's word. You're not going to submit to any authority. And right? that, that kind of leads to what I was going to ask you. Um, it's more of a, a more of a, um, a statement of belief and I want to see what you think about it. I think... Like you were just saying about God's law is supreme. I think that Christianity should not only be taught in school, should not only be the way of life in our country and, and everywhere, but that it should... Like, I don't want to say people are forced to be Christians, but at the same time, I, I don't know exactly how to word it, but if they don't have a reason behind God's law, then it will happen. The society will end up where we are today, where mm-hmm. abortion is legal, um, um, transgenderism, homosexuality, LGBTQ, or whatever other letters are added to the end of that is right. legal. Well, pr- 
prison oh, is used. Here, here, here's the problem. The and problem wait, 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 I just want to finish my thought. Yeah. If they don't have, and by they I mean society, if we don't have a reason behind God's law, why we should follow it. Like you and me believe the reason we follow God's law is because God's the creator of the universe. He has the right to tell us what to do. And if we don't do it, then we will suffer his justice and wrath. And the only reason we're not going to experience that you and me as Christians is because of God's grace. People that are like atheists or whatever, they don't have that motivator behind their moral claims. Right. So do you agree with me that Christianity should like be taught in school, should be um, like, well, what's your take on it? Wait. Well, first and foremost, I believe Christ is king, mm -hmm. right? Jesus is Lord. And I think the problem is you know, when you say Christianity should be taught, I think the problem is that most people didn't they didn't send public schools, let's get this straight. Public schools is government schools. They're not teaching them virtue, they're not teaching them, you know, when the when people went to school, mm -hmm. they read the Bible. That was the text that they read in order to learn how to read. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, and, and most of that was done in the home. Education was done through the parents. So the problem is that we've sent our kids to Caesar and now they've come back Romans. See? So so I cannot compete the hours of secular thought, of atheistic, humanistic thought with the you know, you coloring Noah's Ark. That, that that just doesn't compete, right? And that's why, you know, early on, I believed that you should be in the service, you should be uh, watching how people sing, you would sing with us, you would, you know, hear the word of God preached and taught. Um, but, but, I'm, but I mean, like, because um, like I said, there's atheists and there's atheists, families if they're not being taught that in their home they should have another means to access well, that but but again that's that's why this whole uh crt and all of these issues that people are fighting if they just pulled their kids out of government schools the fight is over the fight is over right if, yeah. if if you you can't have my kid, and what the government is saying and what politicians are saying is, it's our kid. Now, see, they're in the sphere of the family. Yeah, and that's the problem. So, 
if we take forget fighting for the schools just take your kid and that the war's over it is over friends you you if everybody pulled their kid out of government school okay cuz you know when i went to school they didn't have the it was coming up but it wasn't and i'm old i'm 47 so to me now everybody's a kid <laughs> that's when you know you're old okay <laughs> that's the first sign of of uh, you're old <laughs> and not a hipster or anything <laughs> when everybody is a kid <laughs> 35 and oh you're a kid <laughs> You still um, look good, though. You still look good. <laughs> Thanks. I'm trying to. I'm trying to go for that Calvin look. Okay, um, Mexican Calvin, Calvin. <laughs> um, you know, there wasn't the sex education. You know, all of all of this was to be taught in the home. See, there's again another. They're encroaching on the sphere of the family. Of mom and dad teaching you, right? Mm-hmm. Now it's there. They have to teach you how to put on a condom. They have to teach you this. They have to teach you about, you know, you could choose your sexuality, your identity. They. That's not what school was for. We were to learn to read, to write, to do arithmetic, the three R's, right? To, to do math, right? To balance a checkbook, they don't. They don't teach you that. They they teach you. Who knows what they teach you nowadays? But again, all, all I can do is point you to God's word, and in Deuteronomy four, it says. That the nations, okay, uh, in verse 4 it says, But you who held fast to the Lord your God are all alive today. See, I have taught you statutes and rules as the Lord my God commanded me that you should do them in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. Private property. Keep them and do them, for that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples, who when they hear all these statutes will say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us? Whenever we call upon him. And what great nation is there that has statutes and rules so righteous as all this law that I set before you today? Scripture says that the law is good, is holy, and it's just. All of the things that are attributed to God. Think about that. 
Do not despise God's law. How I love your law, says the psalmist. How I love your law. And a lot of people say, well, it's the word of God. No, but he's talking about the commands, the statutes, the law that God gave. The law is good. The law is holy. The law is right. It's, it's just. Right? Mm-hmm. So how do I fulfill the law? The law is, is, is actually love. If I love you, I won't steal from you. If I love you, I won't covet your wife. If I love you, I won't murder you. That's yeah, yeah. That's why. That's why. Um, Romans. I think it's Romans thirteen, Romans twelve, where it says the whole law is summed up in one word: "You shall love your neighbor as yourself." As yourself, and that's out of Leviticus. That's out of the book of Leviticus, book of law, right? So, love for neighbor and love for God is from is through the law, right? But the law couldn't transform our hearts. The grace of God and, and God giving, giving us a new heart is what awakens us to want to obey God's law. It's his spirit that empowers us, right? And the spirit will convict us when we violate God's law, right? So earlier we prayed before we came on, and the attitude of my heart is against God's law. You know, the, the Bible says to not to rejoice when something happens evil to somebody. And if we do that, that's not the character and the nature of God. The character and the nature of God, God does not take pleasure in the death of the wicked. God doesn't say, <laughs> you know, he doesn't do that. We do that because we have to wrestle with our sin. We have to wrestle we have to be purified, sanctified, and that's a process. But justification by faith alone is a declaration that God makes. So when God sees us, he sees the righteous work of Christ, the work of another, right? It's credited to my account. It's nothing I do. I cannot earn that. I can't merit that. I can't work hard enough for that. That is given to me by sheer grace through faith. Right? But the, the conforming to the image of God is love for neighbor, which is fulfilling the law or, or, or living up to the law that it's 
The law was the schoolmaster to bring me to Christ. The law, Paul says, I would not have known what sin was, but by the law. Romans 7, 7. It says, for I would have not known uh, what, uh, what does he say? Um, Romans 7, 7. I'm in Acts. He says, "What then? What shall we? What then shall we say that the law is sin? By no means. Yet if I had not been, if it not had been for the law, I would not have known sin." For I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said, you shall not covet. But sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetousness. For apart from the law, sin lies dead. I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin came alive and I died. So, Sin is made alive by the law. Like when you tell a little kid, don't do this. And what would you do? You would do that. The smile on your face. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like Curious George, right? So, but the law is good. The law saying not to covet is good, right? If I don't covet my neighbor's wife, that's a good thing, right? If I covet my neighbor's wife and I commit adultery, that is not a good thing, mm-hmm. right? The commandment, though, doesn't save you. If I don't covet, that doesn't mean I'm saved. But because I break the law, you you know, the law is like, you, you try to paint the Ten Commandments on a pane of glass, right? And I give you a hammer, and I say, here, just hit one of them that you broke today. Well, in breaking that one, you break them all. That's what God's Word says, right? Mm-hmm. So keeping the commands doesn't save us. But keeping the commands is good. Because if I don't keep the thou shalt not kill... Or thou shalt not murder is the actual interpretation. That's not good, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, God's law. You will not know what sin is but by if it weren't for the law. And he goes on to say in Timothy that we know that the law is good if it's used for what it was the purpose that it was intended for. For murderers, for adulterers, drunkards. It gives a list, right? So so the law brings the knowledge of sin and it strips you of your self-righteousness because we can always say, oh, I'm better than him. I'm better than Hitler. But if I compare myself by God's law, mm-hmm. then I, I, I'm, I'm a wretch and I need a savior. And I God's need, not 
comparing us to Hitler or whoever. Because if that were the case, then only the most evil person would be in hell. Because everybody could say, oh, I'm better than this guy. I'm better than that guy. I'm better than this guy. Exactly. It's God's standard that we violate, and therefore God holds us to that. Right. Right. But who was the one that was the only one who kept God's standard? Jesus Christ. Amen. And that's why when we put faith and trust in what he did in the finished work of the cross, when he says to tell us thy paid in full, then I know the wrath of God is satisfied by the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. I know that he now sees me as if he were looking at Christ. And when he poured his wrath on his son, he was not looking at his son. He was looking at my sin. So now Christ died the death that I deserved. And he credited to me his righteous life. And that's the message of the gospel. The good news is that you don't have to earn your salvation. You don't have to work for your salvation. But God gives you a new life through Jesus Christ. He's sanctifying you. He's renewing you. He's molding you. He's conforming you to the image of his son. And one day when we see him face to face, then we will be like he is, right? But until then, we are going to struggle with the flesh, our mind, our sinful habits, our desires, our our hearts that are prone to wander and want other things. But one day we will see him face to face to tell the story that we were saved by amazing grace. Friends, I hope that this episode uh, is been a blessing. I pray that you share it. I pray that you like it. I pray that you watch us on Rumble or Spotify. Um, and please check out uh, even the Joe Rogan podcast with Jordan Peterson. There's a clip on YouTube. It's four minutes, 44 seconds, something like that. It's on the Bible, and it's very powerful. I, I recommend that you guys watch it. I recommend that you guys get this book uh, so that we can think what other people before us, uh, we stand on the shoulders of giants, and they thought about all these issues. They thought them through. And uh, there was a portion in here um, that I wanted to read, and it was it was really powerful, and it's and it's like what we're going through today. Um, it is.
Oh, it's in the wrong chapter. Um, the implications. It says, if asked how the Christian should relate to the government, early believers would tell you that their first and primary loyalty must always be to King Jesus. They obey the laws of the state insofar as they do not conflict with the laws of their king. But they would rather die than be disloyal to their true sovereign and Lord, even by simply attending quasi-religious events and festivities that contradicted their faith. The state has legitimate God-given authority, but not ahead of Christ or over a Christian's conscience. The state, Newsom, nobody is Lord but Jesus. He is the only sovereign, and they can't tell you how to sing to Jesus. They can't tell you how to pray to Jesus. They can't tell you that you cannot meet for an emergency. Okay? Because tyrannical Leviathan government always wants more power. And I don't know about you, but Hebrews 10.24 says, Not neglecting the gathering of yourselves together, in even more so as you see that day approaching. But we should spurn one another on to good works. Encourage one another. Right? So, these guys are not emperors. There's only one king, and that's Jesus Christ. And if I don't care who tells me that I have to do this in order to worship God or put a restriction, I don't know if you remember, I, I didn't go to church because they said I had to wear a mask. No, I'm sorry. That's, that's binding my conscience. That's adding to God's law. Okay, I, I early on in this pandemic, pandemic had the approach, if God kills me or if I die, my, not, my days are numbered. Are you right with God? That's the question. And you shouldn't fear death. If you're afraid, you should ask yourself, why am I afraid? Fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not is all over the Bible. But God is king. He is sovereign. He's in control. He rules our lives. He holds our lives in his hands. My days are numbered. And it doesn't matter if I have 20 jabs and 50 boosters. If God says this is the day, that's the day, friends. He's God. I'm not. And we're not saying that you shouldn't go to the doctor. <laughs> yeah. Like that, yeah. I mean, I mean, my older brother is alive today because of doctors. Right. But it's just this particular issue. Well, I mean... What's the next crisis? 
And then, you know, the state has no business shutting down churches. Period. Full stop. I'll debate any of you evangelicals or Christians that tells me otherwise. Okay? Uh, the reformers met in secret. Uh, they wanted communion. You know, the state doesn't have that right. And ultimately, do you believe that God is in control and your days are numbered by him? If you do, then it doesn't matter, you know, if you wear 5,000 masks, it doesn't matter what you do. You could go in a bubble suit and you, God says, this is the day you die, you die. Period. Right? So, uh, you know, I think about my childhood and how we used to ride in the back of pickup trucks and we lived. We drank from the water hose and, you know, Maybe that's why I have a hard head because I drank probably a lot of lead and stuff. But, <laughs> but you know, all these things that government has now intruded into our lives and, and tells you what's, you know, it, it, it's sad because it, it like hurts people. Like, you know, these county officials that, I, you know, I, I'm at the cafe a lot where I work and these, these county, uh, people, they're like dictators and all oh, this is not, and I mean, it's just some of the dumbest things that are not, we're not going to get hurt because it wasn't up to their standard and and they you know some businesses it's very arbitrary some businesses they have like roaches and rodents and they're still open they have a d here in town and you know they're not shut down but then you know other people that are doing it, it's like there's no real standard it's arbitrary it's it's like these county people they work for if it wasn't for restaurants there's no need for them to have a job and it's like it's almost like they think they're god and it's just so backwards and it's again when you don't follow the bible and you think that you know better some of the greatest injustices happen when we stray from this book. When we forget and we don't walk closely in this book. And you go to a church that is not close to the Bible. You know, uh, like Paul Osher says, don't find a church that's close to you. Find a church that's close to the Bible. Even if you have to drive, like our Sproul would say, two hours, right, to go to a good church that is close to this book, then do it. Because the farther we stray from it, 
as we've seen in our culture and in our society. That's why we have the problems we do, because we've neglected. You know, the early church grew in spite of persecution, in spite of torturous deaths, in spite of martyrdom, because they were faithful to Jesus. And we've compromised so much because we want to be loved by the world. We want to be liked. We, we don't want to be that guy. No. We need to stand on the word of God, on God's law, and then we will see a just and fruitful society. I hope this has been a blessing. We'll see you on the next one. Remember, theology matters. What you believe about God affects how you live your life. God bless. Share, like, subscribe, do all those things, rumble, um, and we'll see you on the next one. God bless.